drought within me or it sort of stirred within me an insatiable desire for a hunger for the word of God that yes. really to this day has not been fully satisfied. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so I've become a student of the word and uh, I've Certainly, I don't consider myself a scholar. I think no one ever achieves that, technically speaking. But I, um, I have this this love, this passion for the Word of God, and for others to know what God says through His Word. And so, and so that's that's just who I am. I, I tell people I'm a Sunday school teacher. That God, you know, eventually led to a deeper and deeper ministry to where I am now, preaching God's Word as well as teaching others in how to rightly divide the Word of Truth. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Friend, it's always a pleasure to get together with you and visit with our Bot Radio Network listeners here in the Memphis and Mid-South area. Today, we want to welcome Dr. Kenneth Lewis of Briarwood Community Church. Ken, it's always good to see you. It's been a couple of years, and I know some changes have happened in your ministry. You're still faithfully pastoring and leading the people there at Briarwood. Yes, Byron, and thank you for this opportunity to be a part of this discussion today. But yes, I am serving at Briarwood Community Church. We are um, in Cordova. We um, have been in that area for uh, about three decades um, since the church that I serve now has uh, been in that location. And um, and it's a church that uh, really is uh, reflects the community. We, uh, we are community-focused. Uh, certainly, we uh, believe in the scriptures as our authority, but we also are a fellowship that believes in loving one another. Yes. Now, it wasn't the church originally founded by the pastor who also was associated with uh, Briarcrest. Well, at the time, there was like Briarcrest Baptist Church, or even in the beginning, East Park Baptist Church. Yes, there was sir. A, several name changes there. Yes, sir. It's been an evolution in terms of the, the journey the church has taken, but it did. It has its beginnings with East Park Baptist Church, and then uh, it became Briarcrest, and then there was a uh, uh, there was a uh, sort of breaking apart or. Um, I don't want to say it was a, kind of a negative thing, but it was really a, a positive in the sense that the church uh, relocated to the Briarwood, uh, to the Cordova area that we're in right now. And, uh, and then, of course, the school, uh, Briarcrest, uh, it uh, was a separate entity and it um, launched out in East Memphis and now in Cordova. So, yes, uh, Briarcrest School had its beginnings and its connections to Briarwood Church, which was Briarcrest Baptist Church before. That's exciting part in, in our city. Anytime we can see a growing community of believers who are set out to, uh, you know, passionately love Jesus, Amen. Uh, grow in their faith, and also uh, be committed to the gospel of communicating that message, you know, to our neighbors, our city, right? Sure, sure. You know, our motto at Briarwood is making disciples and making a difference. We focus on building up people in Christ, but we also realize that where God has us, uh, we have a responsibility to meet people where they are, to make a difference in their lives, and to be that salt and light that God has called us to be. So so we strongly believe that God has us there for a purpose yes. in that location. And so the sovereignty of God has has brought us there. That means that we must be uh, be all about the business of making Jesus Christ known in the in that mission field that we're in. In a world that's really I mean coming less and less culturally uh, can we say open? You know, to the gospel, we can see, and, and why we shouldn't be surprised, right, about that. I mean, we we understand in scripture, don't we, 
that we are supposed to be a light in the darkness. Amen, amen, brother. You said it well. And uh, we understand that the world in which we live is lost, is fallen, and God's people, the church, is called to be the uh, to be the mouthpiece of God to that uh, to that lost world to share the love of Christ to show that love as well not just to share it but uh, so people will know that God is real God, uh, people know God is real through his people uh, you know there's there may not be some sign or some voice from the sky but there is a real people in a real place who can who can reach people and can tell them that there is a Jesus who died for them, who gave his life, and that he will transform their lives as he has changed, transformed our lives. Yes. In order, Ken, for people to to receive and understand that message, don't they have to understand their sinfulness? I mean, if you don't think you're a sinner, you don't have a need for a Savior, right? If you don't know that your destiny is on a journey to an eternity separated from God, then you don't realize that you have a great desperate need. Amen. You know, we are proclaimers, bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ. But what precedes that good news is the bad news. Uh, we need a Savior, but we also need to know why we need a Savior. So I believe there there are winsome and, and very uh, effective ways to communicate that without being judgmental or being uh, condescending upon people who are made in the image of God, who God wants to save. But we do need to make it clear uh, to those who are lost that uh, they 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 need Jesus and and why they need Jesus and that uh, there is a direction in which they're headed that is not the right direction but they can turn and be headed in the right direction and the Lord will lead them in that way. Oh my! You know, I was reflecting back just as you were speaking on the time prior to my conversion coming to Christ, and it was a teenager. I was in my mid-teens, and I was a very rebellious young man at that time, and. I used to have people try to share the gospel with me, and I remember just laughing you know, on the radio. I'd hear a turn the dial, and there was a preacher talking, and I would just laugh and think that was the most ridiculous thing. And I was blinded, you know? I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't connecting with the fact that I desperately needed the Lord, but it was a process, and it was people praying for me. There was a young lady, a matter of fact, uh, I had volunteered at a local radio station at the age of 14. And this one young lady who also volunteered at the station used to follow me on my little uh, motorcycle that I had. That's how I got back and forth to my home to do the job and sometimes drive to school. And she said, you know, I got a letter from her later in life after I became a Christian. And she said, I was so worried that you would get killed on that motorcycle and, and not know Christ. And so I would go and follow you and pray mm. that God would have mercy and he would save you. And so, <laughs> oh, my goodness, Ken, when I, I just remember the tears when I, when I heard that and thinking that, you know, it is not just an intellectual thing here, you know? Mm. There's a spiritual battle going on with the soul, right? Sure, yeah. There is. There is. Um, God, who created us, he wants to redeem us, wants to reclaim us as his own, but he's given us the agency of free will and and humankind being fallen will misuse that free will and to do ungodly things and and so uh, god is um is patient and that's why one of the 
chief characteristics of God that we read about in the Bible is his loving kindness. You know, his he, he is long suffering to us and that he he works with us and brings us to a place to where we do understand what it is that we need and and our desperation for God because being lost and being blinded we don't understand it we're just we're just going about our way and so uh, that also gives me hope and um, patience with others who may not know it because I've been at that place at some point in time just like you mentioned uh, on a college campus, I've been baptized, but I'm, a, I'm on a college campus kind of doing a different lifestyle. And I can remember the campus, um, the, the Baptist campus ministry people, you know, walk around and they would ask me if I if I'm saved or if I'm, you know, if I'm a Christian. And I try to avoid them because I didn't want to answer that question. But but now I look back on it and says, thank God they did what they did, because I can remember vividly them speaking to me about that. God was using them even at that time, although yes. I was not quite open to hear what they had to say. Right. Well, you know, the last time we got together, like you said, it was been a couple of years, uh, I was working on uh, a series of radio programs we were doing Mm -hmm. in connection with Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, which at that time, you were a professor there. Yes, sir. Now, tell me, there's been some changes in that aspect. Yes, sir. I had the privilege to serve at Mid-America for over eight years, for which I am so deeply grateful and had the the best time and learned so much. God used it. But the Lord opened an opportunity and a a calling to transition here just recently to Union University. And I serve as the dean of the Memphis College of Urban and Theological Studies, or commonly known as MCUTS. Yes, sir. And so uh, so I've been serving there for about three months now. And so I work with a great team and uh, we're focusing on ministering to people who serve in the urban context. And uh, it's a a, it's a wonderful school, great uh, overall um, um, mission that we have. And so, so yeah, I have the privilege to, uh, to serve uh, at that capacity. What was the initial attraction there with this particular ministry? Yeah, so it was the attraction was to be able to help equip or to equip people who serve in, a, uh, in an urban context. And um, it was also the opportunity to, 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 to develop a, a faculty and a staff who are laboring in that context as well. So I, I lead a team of faculty and staff members, and so the opportunity to mentor them, to, uh, to help to develop them, to um, do what I can to help them succeed at what they do, and, and also the students who, uh, who have entrusted us to be a part of their, uh, their ministry training to, to pour into them and uh, and that was appealing to me and uh, to be able to to go uh, where they are and to and to be a part of what God is doing there the city of Memphis is of course like any other city it needs a uh, it needs ministry it needs um, different kinds of ministry it needs uh, it needs to be uh, addressed in terms of uh, all of the issues and but there are people who are are doing their best to make a difference and and to be able to come alongside them and to help them to make this city to to serve uh, for the good of it and and to and to make an impact for the kingdom of Christ in the city of Memphis uh, that is appealing and yes. so that uh, gives me the chance to uh, to be a part of what God is doing in this city. Ken, what about some of the challenges, you know, uh, of trying to balance being a pastor full-time <laughs> and, and also doing your responsibilities with MCUTS? Well, well brother, uh, <laughs> Byron, I, I, 
I'll, I'll admit that I haven't figured that out yet <laughs> completely. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, some long days and, and nights at times, but I tell people often that I am, uh, and it was the same way when I was serving at Mid America, is that I have the uncommon privilege of having two dream jobs. And they're both, in a way, are full-time jobs. And to serve as a pastor, which I love, to serve in the academy, Christian higher education, which I also love. And uh, yes, it stretches me thin and there are sacrifices, but uh, it's a labor of love. I enjoy it on both ends. And and so uh, in trying to balance that, it's, it's, it's you know, you have to uh, make sure that, like you like any other job that you plan well that you execute your plan well that you uh, you know manage your time well that you delegate does that, somebody help you do that assist you in managing that time or is that you totally do that yourself <laughs> well uh, at my uh, job at MCUTS I, I do have an assistant who helps me with my calendar and so forth uh, at Broadwood I also have an office administrator who does a great job of, of keeping things in order there so I have good people on both ends that uh, do do great work that I can trust but I also have a wife <laughs> who helps me. Uh, she's kind of, she's my sanity check as well. And so God has put people around me to help manage the madness that sometimes is my life. With a woman to look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. In 2016, Massachusetts voters legalized recreational marijuana. Now, seven years later, doctors at Boston Children's Hospital say that a full third of adolescents who come in for routine checkups report using marijuana, and a third of those kids are likely to develop hallucinations or paranoia, according to new research. Nationwide, since 2019, the number of kids diagnosed with cannabis-induced mental disorders, including schizophrenia and psychotic episodes, has increased by 50 Research continues to reveal, in fact, that the marijuana on the market today, including the stuff that so-called government regulated, is more potent and dangerous than the weed of decades past. There's just too much data now to ignore the correlations between marijuana use and mental health disorders. Also obvious is that the arguments used for the legalization of marijuana were bogus in the first place. The freedom to choose self-harm and addiction is not freedom at all. And the kids now suffering from schizophrenia, depression, paranoia, these are reasons enough to turn this train around. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Ken, I know you as a seminary professor, uh, one who is, in, you know, academically studies and appreciates God's Word, and you said Greek and all these different aspects of really getting deep into the Word of God. What kind of intrigues you most about Scripture when you dive in? It is the discovery. It is the journey to take a text that I can read the words and have some understanding, but the more I plow, the more treasure I I glean from that scripture. And also the transformative power of it. I mean, I sit here now, Byron, as a changed man because of the power of God's word and his spirit. And when I began teaching Sunday school a few decades ago, I um, just to share the story with you, I um, had just gotten back in the church. I was working, working in the corporate world, and, uh, and so I was just going to be okay to come to church and just to be a, 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 pure, a pew sitter. Uh, but uh, one of the associate pastors there asked me to to fill in for him in his Sunday school class. And, of course, I'm, I'm just this introverted guy who – don't ever care to stand before people and say anything, uh, but he uh, he convinced me to do it, and I I, I did that, and um, 
in preparing for that class and teaching it, even the preparation, it it's it brought within me or it sort of stirred within me an insatiable desire for a hunger for the word of God that yes. really to this day has not been fully satisfied. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I've become a student of the word and uh, I've, I, certainly I don't consider myself a scholar. I think no one ever achieves that technically speaking, but I, um, I have this, this love, this passion for the word of God and for others to know what God says through his word. And so, and so that's, that's just who I am. I, I, I tell people I'm a Sunday school teacher that God, you know, eventually led to a deeper and deeper ministry to where I am now preaching God's word as well as teaching others in how to write and divide the word of truth. You know, and according to Timothy, he says, study to show yourself approved Amen. unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Amen. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, you, you mentioned a moment ago where you were in that place where you're in the corporate world, you're attending church, and that was you were sat, going to be satisfied with that. And and I think that's the place where a lot of Christians are. A lot of people who attend church on Sunday that's that satisfies them. That gets them by. They feel like they've they that's their commitment. You know, how does somebody develop a hunger? For the Word of God and realize that it has the power to do what you said to change their lives. Well, the first thing I would say is is be in a Christian community, be in a um, a Bible believing, Christ loving community of people, the church, and if it's in a, in a small group or, or Sunday school or whatever, be involved in that. And and you will. What I find is that is is there's a contagion that happens there. If you have someone who loves the Word of God has a tendency to influence others. So you can be influenced by just being in the right place with the right people. Uh, I would say also is develop some discipline, if nothing but 10 minutes a day, just to open the Word of God and read it. Don't worry about what you don't understand. God will help you. And over time, uh, you develop what I call that acquired taste for the Word of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more you commit yourself to it, the more you will want to uh, know more. And so I'd say just take a step and God will lead you the rest of the way. I know there's a lot of great resources, commentaries and, you know, uh, all kinds of books that can can help someone. Can somebody get bogged down with that and and, and, and let that become more of the emphasis than actually reading the Bible? I mean, I have found when I can take a a legal pad and a pen and start reading Scripture and as things stand out to me or writing down or even just rewriting what I read and then, you know, praying over it, looking at it, so much opens up to me doing that. Amen. Good word, Byron, because we in our culture, we have an abundance of resources that you can lean on, uh, I would say unhealthily. And what I recommend, what I do, uh, discipline that I have even now that I've had for many years is I read through the Bible for myself on my own. This is not preparing to preach or teach, but it's just my time in the Word of God. Every day, first thing in the morning, open up the Word of God, and I have a journal beside me, nothing else. I don't do study Bibles at that point. It's just a Bible, because if it's a study Bible, I have a tendency to look at the notes, but I want to just take the Word of God and and have my journal there for just writing down a passage or a verse or a thought and just letting the Lord I guess marinating in that text right. and and seeing how I will pray over that text as well as what the Lord will reveal to me. And I'm telling you, Byron, that has done so much to change my life, to uh, keep me in check in terms of my my tendency to to drift or to um, do things that God would not 
you know, desire me to do. So it's a, it's a really good way to, to walk with the Lord and, uh, and, and to stay close to him. And it doesn't mean that after you write those things down, if you want to go and maybe peek and, and do some research, mm-hmm. or maybe you want to learn Greek, you know, that's, sure. that could really help expand your understanding of the text. I don't know if I could ever learn Greek or not. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm grateful for people like you. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, one of the things I do, Byron, is when I begin my teaching or preparing to preach, I take a text and I was just write that out in a um, use a word document and I'll just write out the text and I put it like in a little table format with some blank spaces besides you know the right of the text I'll print that out and for about two or three days I'll just read over that scripture text and just make notes on it asking questions of the text uh, you know I may need to study this deeper or things the Lord will reveal to me as I'm just reading over the text. I try to start with the text and spend time in the text, memorizing as much of the text as possible because I'm preaching the text and I don't want to I don't want to lean or rely upon someone else's thoughts. I mean, God will use them, but I believe he has something to say through me and my study there. So I try to spend as much time in the text before consulting other resources. Ministry-wise, how, how do you feel that Briarwood is trying to impact the community with the gospel and and not just be a church you know that that has its gathering on Sundays and Wednesday nights but ministry wise in the community yeah that's, that's a great question Byron because uh, as you mentioned Cordova has uh, has changed uh, you know I think at one point it may have used to be a, a suburb that uh, was for exclusive suburban living but now it's become a neighborhood the one that we're in is uh, is quite transient you know a lot of uh, people move in and out of the neighborhoods and uh, and so that that poses a great opportunity to reach people and so we have several ways that we we try to keep a, a constant contact with the community uh, we, uh, we 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 would write uh, we write post write cards like uh, welcome cards to new neighbors in the community just say hey welcome to the neighborhood thank you uh, you know we, we're church that's here for you let us know if we can help uh, we also um, have just outreach um, events uh, we of course we do um, a spring event we also do a, uh, a fall uh, event as well um, we we also just recently this this year started uh, an event called Love for Life. It's a marriage event, and so we want to want to reach families, build up families, and help to equip marriages. And so we do that. We invite people from the community. We've done things even like uh, had a um, a uh, an outreach to, to to mothers if they want to say have a couple of hours on a weekend night a weekend evening uh, we'll say bring your kid here and you can check them in we'll watch them for a couple of hours while you can you know go and take a break or if you're a couple you can go and have a date night we do that again free of charge in, in an environment where uh, is where we're you know we keep them safe and we also do some christian things with them so we try to be innovative and in, and in what we do to uh, to keep a connection with the community we also have a relationship with dexter k through eight school uh, where we go there and and serve the uh, administration and and faculty there try to keep to encourage them in the work that they do and and we're also looking for some further opportunities to to reach families of children that go to school there well you talk about the growth i remember a day when you would drive down germantown road was a two-lane country road there were farm animals on both sides of the road now it's what a eight-lane highway basically you know from poplar to uh Germantown to 64 Highway, you know, with the mall and 
all of the growth there. How many thousands of cars, you know, drive up and down Germantown Parkway every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just incredible. So there's plenty of opportunity. Like you said, a lot of people, transit, transient people mm-hmm. uh, moving into the community. Plenty of opportunity. to, and, and many of these are from various countries, too. Yes, that is true. Uh, we have discovered from uh, the uh, the last couple or so outreach events that we've had that we're seeing more uh, more international uh, people that, that are coming. And, uh, and, of course, that encourages us. That also challenges us because we, uh, we understand there could be a language or cultural barrier. But uh, we still want to overcome those because the gospel transcends those things. And, uh, and we're grateful, although you know, not a large church numerically speaking, we are a multi-ethnic church. Uh, we are a church to where w- whatever your background is or whoever you are, you can fit in there. You'll see somebody that may look like you Amen. or, or may, um, can speak the language that you speak. So, so we want to continue to grow in that way. So, uh, again, we can be a church not only that reaches the community but reflects the community in which we're in. What's the exact address of the church? Yes, it's 1900 North Germantown Parkway, and that's Cordova 38016. Okay. And service times, I believe you told me, are Sundays at 10 a.m.? Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Oh, 9.30 yes, a.m.? Yes, Is there Sunday school involved? Y- yes. Uh, so we do hours differently. You know, most churches do the Sunday school before we do hours afterwards. So 9.30 a.m. is our morning worship service, and 11 o'clock is our Bible study groups okay. for and all a, ages. And a Wednesday night class that you have, too, or yeah, a service? Yeah, Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study at 6 o'clock p.m. And the website to the church again. Yes, it's briarwood.life. That's B-R-I-A-R-W-O-O-D dot life. Ken, it's always good to see you. Don't be a stranger. I mean, we're going to get together. I love talking to you. Amen. Love it. And appreciate what you're uh, allowing God to do in and through you. And we'll have to get back together and and talk more. (laughs) Let's do it. I'd love to anytime. (laughs) Thank you. God bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have with Dr. Kenneth Lewis, pastor of Briarwood Community Church in our city of Cordova. Appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.